Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. And thank you, listener, for joining us for another episode where we're going to do our best to provide you those resources that you need to move forward once again in that restoration journey. Now, if you haven't already gone back and listened to the last two episodes with Paul Stetler, I encourage you to do that. Uh, man, they were fantastic. I enjoyed my my conversation with him. Um, but if, if you go back to those last two episodes and listen through, we're going to be continuing that theme of grief, loss, and finding purpose in that as we move through 2021. Now, today, uh, helping us move forward in that uh, conversation is none other than Don Davison. Don, how you doing? Doing great. Good to be here. Uh, yeah, and talking about here, I'm actually in your kitchen. I don't get to do too many of these uh, episodes in person these days, but I'm glad that uh, you and I were able to sit down. Um, but the thing about this is we're, we've been talking about the grief. We've been talking about the loss. Um, and we've been talking about it, um, from the perspective of, you know, major events and things like that, but we want to come at it from a slightly different angle and you may be in a unique position to talk about that angle from the point of transitions in life. You've been through a lot in the last few years. Uh, isn't that right? That's right. Over the last, uh, three, four years now, I've experienced transition up close and personal. Yeah, and, and we're talking about the transitions. That first transition for you was a, a really big one. Um, going back to a, it's almost like a retirement and then moving into a new career uh, as, as such. Um, can you tell us about that first uh, time you moved uh, from one to the other? Well, about three years ago, actually, uh, was kind of the culmination point um, back in fall of 2016. I was coming to the end of a 29-year career at uh, a Bible college, and um, I had spent all of those years. That was my identity. That was my zeal, my passion. And um, increasingly through the years, the my zeal was replaced with sort of just this discipline that I uh, was going to stick with it. I was going to be faithful. I was going to bring passion to it on purpose until I found the right next step. Yeah. And you know, it, it sounds like a little bit of that, not, not necessarily burnout, but we, we talked in one episode with Zach Clark, um, about, uh, just pushing through, um, you know, you've lost that passion. Um, not that you're, you know, it's an obvious, you know, spiral down into the depths, but it's just, you're, you're not there. You're showing up for all the wrong reasons. Um, and you can, just beat that dead horse, but it sounds like you were also looking for a plausible next step into another transition of ministry, maybe? Well, actually, um, just to be quite honest about it, um, I'm one of those guys that when Arby's came out of the out with the um, advertisement many years ago that said different is good, I didn't agree with it because different is different. It's scary. Um, I'm not one of those guys that just loves change. And so, uh, coupled, couple that with the fact that uh, I'm I'm one of those guys that likes uh, security and likes uh, comfort zone, and um, I value um, I value being able to stay put where I am until I have a definite step forward. Well, and I think 
that would be true also in the fact that, you know, if so you've been somewhere for 29 years and we're talking about that transition of career, that loss of, of identity, as you mentioned, loss of career. But it sounds like there's also a loss of, of comfort um, and also a loss of, um, I don't know how to put this, but the ability to thrive or the knowledge that you can thrive, like you've done this, um, and you know that moving forward, you can do it again. You have a tried and true, uh, method of how you do things. Uh, what was that like losing that? Well, you know, um, you've hit it, you've hit the nail on the head. I'm here nodding my head in affirmation while you're saying all that, because actually I was in that, that, uh, awkward place and, and, and frankly, sort of a, a, a sad place on the inside, although I, I wouldn't have gone around telling everybody of trying to be, it was disorienting to be at what was going to turn out to be the end of my career by my choice um, to move on. And yet I didn't know where I was moving. Yeah. And I remember standing in my, my office and looking out the window and something on the inside of my soul was just longing to be in the trenches. Mm. That's what would come to me. I want to be in the trenches. I I was used to giving uh, uh, controlled messages and communication speeches to crowds and then kind of working the crowd before and afterwards and, and genuinely loving the individuals. But I've, I, I was kind of in a risk-free sort of job where I didn't spend a lot of time with any one person. And now I had progressed to the place where I believe God was planting in my heart this sort of undefined tug in my soul that I wanted to be in the trenches up close and personal with need. Well, I would say one thing with that, it, that, that quote unquote risk free atmosphere is not one that you didn't help create. Um, you know, that's something you built over time that now you, you have the tools, um, that you need to make adjustments on the fly, but you also have prepared everything just right. I mean, I remember looking back at some of your, uh, your itineraries and they are anybody that's traveled with, you knows they are no less than detailed, um, down to mileage and people and who's where and when, and, you know, mitigating risk for, uh, students uh, over the years in, in Bible college was one of your specialties. Um, so that doesn't come without, you know, the, the specialty, the preparation that you did, but, what, what did that look like for you as you're, you're sitting in your office, you're thinking about that next step, you feel that God's making you restless, you have this nice, cushy position, um, you, you kind of put it that way, or it seems that way. W- what did you start looking for? Um, what piqued your interest, and how did you know that you had reached the next step? Well, and and going back to what you were just talking about, what had been built and, and kind of tying in, reaching out to that word loss right now, is I was beginning to feel, even in those early stages, the first stages of loss, but I didn't know to define it as loss. And one of the takeaways, and we'll get to that uh, at some point here, I think, but one of the takeaways that I hope our listeners can 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 take from this is that uh, is the is the ability to start listening to your own emotions rather than to live past them and suppress them and and saying you know I'm I, re- I really feel bad today or or even just uh, saying I'm just uh, not even recognizing that you're living over the top of something but starting to recognize you know I'm sad I'm starting to feel 
some kind of a loss here and and actually becoming uh, acquainted with yourself enough that you stop to say you know something's going on here and 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 kind of with the psalmist saying you know why are why are you disquieted soul and i was starting to feel that some even as i was moving away and in in the early stages of thinking about moving on from my career well and it sounds like you're talking about you know that that key aspect of emotional IQ, you know, not being controlled by your emotions, either one way or listening too much or not listening at all. But simply we've talked in episodes past about using them as, Oh, here's, here's some information I can use. I am feeling this. Mm-hmm. So what can I, can I use this information to provide, um, you know, the information for my next step. And so for you, what was that next step after feeling those emotions, recognizing those emotions, the restlessness, um, how did you know that you'd, you know, not a perfect 30 years, but hey, we, we're stopping at 29. <laughs> we, we want not 30, 29. Oh, yeah. That, you know, that's almost ironic for somebody like me that had, had made sure that all the uh, I's were dotted and T's were crossed. Maybe it was just God's way of, of winking at me that we're going to stop you at 29. But um, actually, I, uh, in preparation for this podcast, I found myself going back to what I would call a faulty core value that somehow if I was going to be speaking on a podcast about transition, I surely must sound like at least an expert on transition. And that goes back to that faulty core value that somehow I have to look like I've arrived. And some very dear friend a few years ago passed along a principle to me that I obviously still am in the process of learning, and that is I don't have to look like I've arrived. I can be arriving. I'm on a journey, and frankly, I'm still making meaning out of all the transition, and preparing for this podcast has actually been part of making that meaning of trying to formalize some of the experiences that I had. So you've moved towards um, counseling in a hospital. Um, You've ended that career 29 years. You move into the the hospital setting. Um, what do those first steps going into the hospital feel like? Uh, a new trend, a new career, rather. The transition is happening. What does that feel like for somebody, especially you know at your young age? Well, thank you so much for that. <laughs> the big six zero here uh, has happened for me during this transition. But um, well, I mentioned that only we we have so many people um, in that age bracket, the fifty to even sixty five who are um, either doubling down in their careers for, for different reasons, or they're moving into other careers. Um, so there's a lot of people that are identifying with you right now, you know, either doing so moving into something else because they have to, or because they want to, or they feel God calling them to. There's many different reasons, but, and I think we're going to get to some of this, but there's some ramifications that come with those choices. So what do those first steps look for, like for you? How does that feel going into the hospital, um, a new environment, a crazy environment, a secular environment in some aspects? Um, how does that feel for you as a, a 60 year old? Well, first for me, uh, going back to the summer of 2016, I finally decided to pull the trigger on change in about uh, the latter part of July. And I, I thought that what I was doing was uh, signing up for something that might 
uh, happen alongside the career that I have. Like maybe I could get some training, start some training, which I, I think that's actually one of the takeaways here is take some initiative and, and do something. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for an airplane to go across the sky and spell out God's will for you every single time you make a move. So I applied to uh, a hospital about a couple blocks from my home and um, I had somehow heard that they had a chaplaincy training program. I didn't have a clue what I was getting into. I heard something about a six-week program that they had and so uh, somewhere along the way in the midst of that application process I also learned about uh, another type of program that they had. This was this turned out to be four units of 400 hours study each unit. So 1600 hours of what's called clinical pastoral education. And so um, I had this interview on a Friday and about two hours later, I got a call from them that I was accepted into the clinical pastoral education program. And it was a major change. It was like pulling the trigger on something that wasn't compatible with a full-time job at the Bible college where I was. And so now I was in the process of, of um, telling my, my boss that um, I was making a change. And that, that uh, began the journey where I find myself today. And, and it, the actual, the clinical pastoral education brought me into such a strange environment. You could have spun the globe, put your finger down somewhere and not found a place more foreign to me than the inner workings of a hospital. And there I was. Well, I, for one, can testify to the fact that hospitals are a foreign place. They have their own lingo. They have their own, uh, you know, a lot of, depending on which specialty, they have identities on identities on cultures inside of the hospital. Um, And then on top of that, you bring in patients each one with a unique background, each one with their own cultural uh, identity. And it just, it's this melting pot of, uh, well, it sometimes it can blow up. Um, and who do we call sometimes to help deescalate those things, but but the chaplain. So you're, you're in a new environment, you're just taking it one step at a time, you're trying this purposeful um, activity. Um, and we're, how, again, the feeling surrounding that, do you recognize then more the the things that you don't have anymore? Well, I think one of the most unsettling, jarring things that happened to me was that I had spent 30 plus years honing my communication skills. And so I thought if I had anything down for chaplaincy, it was going to be communication. And then I got involved in this chaplaincy education program, and I started understanding that this is not about you formulating the conversation. This is about in the dance of suffering, the patient takes the lead. And so this is about listening, active listening. And listening skills, I discovered, was almost like me entering into a bright white room full of shelves that were empty. I found out quickly how little I really knew about listening and that's at the heart of chaplaincy well and it sounds like you're learning new skills um, recognizing some old things are are gone like you said that sense of security that that social network you had at at work um, you know the activities you had the daily routine as well Mm -hmm. Um, because i'm sure the hospital schedule probably didn't follow the nine to five um, with traveling on the weekends you had at the school um, 
but the professional identity part of that, you know, that that's a big loss. But I want to ask you a question on that in the uh, in the context of, you know, we, we've gone through some of these things in the last couple episodes of major, huge loss that that cannot be understated uh, loss of a spouse, the processing that's come with that. Um, you know, Paula talked about the loss of, of dreams and children and ministry together. And without taking anything away from that, um, you know, it doesn't seem like that loss is equal to, to what you're experiencing. But if all loss isn't equal, how can I, as a listener, know that my loss matters? Well, I think for your loss to matter, you have to understand that you matter. And um, we all bring our, we all bring the narrative from our childhood. And it would be easy, actually, for some of us to discount what I'm about to say because of the narrative that we bring from our childhood. Um, but you have to, we have to come some way by the grace of God and the and the voices that come into our life. We have to come to the place in life, and I think this is increasing, kind of a. Uh, a, an ongoing process where we start understanding we matter. We matter enough to feel what we feel. And um, I, I kind of describe our emotions as almost like a different, uh, a different entity or almost like a different individual inside of us. It's not that we're not responsible for the expression and the discipline of our emotions, but those emotions are going to feel what they feel. And we can live over the top of them, we can suppress them, but we're going to pay the price if we ignore them. Far better to start learning to listen and start distinguishing how we're really feeling. And so uh, my loss, my loss may not compare to somebody else's loss, but that's not even the point. My loss matters because I'm carrying it and I need to process through that. Well, and that brings me to another question that, that so many times people, so we'll say I'm listening and okay, I get that. That makes sense. My loss matters. Um, it's, it's still not as bad. You know, I, 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 I think of the times uh, we had an episode with, with a nurse talking about compassion fatigue and we had some nurses call in and they said, well, I understand that completely. It's not that I don't care about my patients. I just don't care at all. Uh, because I am burnt out, um, and you lose that compassion. And one of the things she talked about in that is coming home and thinking, you know, hey, you know, my life isn't bad. I at least didn't lose my leg today, or I didn't die today, or, you know, I didn't overdose and go to jail today. You know, all those things that had happened that she'd seen, the secondary trauma. So thinking through it in that lens, if I can get to the point where I can validate my feelings enough or have enough respect for myself to validate my feelings. Uh, how do I begin a conversation or reach out to someone? Or is this something I just do a quick Google search and find top three things to do about, uh, you know, loss in, in my life? Or you know, how do I start that conversation with somebody? Yeah, I think for me, um, it's important. It's important for me to to process through the loss that I have, um, and for and for me, learning that has taken um, the help of what I what I consider to be a life coach. Uh, you know, he's a licensed professional counselor, 
And um, some of the things that I share in my ministry and even on this podcast are vulnerable for me, but vulnerability creates connection. And so often I've had people come up to me after speaking and say, and, and, and you could tell there was that instant connection. And it was almost humorous because you just hung out a shingle saying, I failed in this area. And then everybody lines up underneath that shingle to connect with you. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, but for me, um, a few years ago, when I had my very first session with this, this, this guy, uh, with this counselor, um, I remember feeling like I didn't matter. And people looking at me would say, oh, Don, you got this, you've got this position. You've got these responsibilities. You project this kind of image. And it wasn't that that was a fraud, but at the very heart of it all, I felt like I was on rented real estate in this world. I didn't really own property of my own. I didn't matter. And that began a journey. And this touches me deeply, but that began a journey that has been an ongoing process since then of understanding that what I, what I grew up with and, and I don't, I don't want to completely discredit my childhood, but what I grew up with, some of the faulty messaging that I entered adulthood with, uh, that, that actually I mattered, my emotions mattered. Uh, how what I'm going through matters. My individuality needs to be respected. Well, and it's so awesome that you you go down that avenue because, I mean, we're talking about breaking cycles here at Great Story Ministries. And what informs who you are comes out of what you've downloaded from those very, very early formative days. Um, not everybody recognizes that. Not everybody can see that. Um, and frankly, not everybody has the education and the resources to be able to, you don't know what you don't know. That's true, um, ignorance. But then also once you learn that, what you do with it is, is very important. And it sounds like you're taking steps, you know, to, to be purposeful with what you learn and, and where you go. But it sounds like you're also being purposeful with, with those emotions and, and the loss you feel. And not just going to somebody or posting uh, to Facebook, although we learned with Paul uh, Stetler that can be beneficial if done the right way. Um, things can be done the wrong way, but um, you, you go to a licensed counselor and you've, you've been working through some things. But um, I'm wondering, um, as you're on this, this career path, what are some of the tools that maybe that new career um, has given you uh, to help you with some of the loss that you've actually experienced from the previous uh, career? Well, uh, it's interesting that um, uh, chaplaincy training, clinical pastoral education is like a boot camp. And um, I wouldn't blame anybody for, for sort of visualizing um, chaplaincy training as being a place where soft devotional music is played in the background with a nice heartwarming devotional at the beginning of the day read by somebody in meaningful tones. And then the day spent sort of sitting around supporting each other and learning ways to love people. What it really did yeah. for me, um, perhaps this was unique to my instructor, but she knew what she was shaping. She knew the vocation, shall I say, that she was shaping people for. It is a, it is a rigorous vocation in which you have to have a healthy sense of self-awareness 
and to be able to deal with your own emotional health and spiritual health before you would go out to try to help in the variety of situations that happen, like for instance, for me in healthcare ministry. So it was a boot camp. And part of what it did was it unsettled me so badly because for 29 years, I could walk across the campus and I could walk into many places around the nation and people instantly, I had built relationship, credibility and trust to the point where I didn't have to establish who I was or, or what I was, more importantly, uh, what they could expect from me. And now I, all that was gone and I'm done who? And I'm here now with nothing to depend upon except for um, that the inner established um, truth that, that I have embraced. And I'll be completely honest with you, as I, as I was in this very close-knit boot camp of, of fellow colleagues that were pursuing chaplaincy, it, it started uh, making me feel so disorienting, disoriented that I was becoming so seen so so discovered and there was no anonymity there was no um kind of hiding in a crowd of 500 people this was a small group exercise in which that was designed to find you out and to probe to the core of your being and i spent a lot of time with tears going down my eyes um a lot of time in chaplaincy training in especially the early months well and knowing what I know about chaplaincy, because um, it's a vital part of the treatment team, the, the holistic care, so important. Um, I mean, I, I've stood in rooms with chaplains as we're telling people their loved one is dead. Uh, and, and not just they were preparing for it. Hey, we've been knowing this was coming. We're talking instantaneous. They're gone. Um, and you want to talk about loss that way. But let me ask you this, as you've mentioned that, how important as you've gone through some of those situations now where you've been helping other people with crisis after crisis, you're, you're not just walking into those kumbaya sessions or um, posting a meme, how can we pray for you today? And you say a blessing over it. Mm-hmm. You're going into crisis situation, uh, some of them slowly building, others, boom, you're there. Um, how important was it for you to know yourself and how did that translate into your care for others? Well, uh, I believe it's Ephesians chapter 5, and I think it's the Phillips translation that says that we love others out of the extension of our proper self-love. And there's, that's the reason why I think it's important, for instance, for us to know ourselves emotionally, to develop enough emotional IQ and develop enough sense of self-respect, biblical self-respect, that we're then able to offer a proper sense of respect for others' individuality. We can only love others with the same kind of love that we have for ourselves. And it's so important for me, all of the um, hard to describe, the multiple elements that went into my training, but, but so much of it about, about discovering uh, who I was and what I believed. I think one of the s- surprising things to me about chaplaincy training was they weren't trying to get me to conform to somebody else's belief. The unsettling thing was that they were going after me and saying, what do you believe? <laughs> and, and do you believe it enough to be confirmed in it and to stick by it and yet to have a principled openness in love to others? And, 
that's what I take now into my chaplaincy. For one thing, one of the things that got confirmed for me, probably the cornerstone that got confirmed for me in chaplaincy training is the magnificent value of every human being. I can walk into any room and instantly love anybody without condition, without having to know their past or their failures or anything else because they are magnificently made in the image of God. Well, what I'm hearing from you there is is weaving through this this episode actually um, of you know my my loss may not be equal, but my loss matters equally simply because of what you just said. My identity is in God, and the value He places on me. Yeah. So my loss matters, and, and that's so good. But l- let me ask you this, and it's kind of a two part question. So as, as someone who is a Christ follower, you're a minister, you're a uh, hospital chaplain, um, can you tell me a little bit more about, because there, there's some controversy, and, and this wasn't on the questions I sent you, so putting you in the hot seat, but there is some controversy here and there about this topic of self-love in, in Christianity. How does self-love play out for you? What does it mean from a biblical worldview? And how does it translate into how I deal with loss? Okay. Yeah, it's too bad that wasn't on the questions that you sent to me before this podcast. Um, well, okay. Separate that out into two things and ask me the first one. Okay. So at, from a Christian worldview, uh, for, is self-love biblical? And if so, what does it look like for a Christian? Absolutely biblical and absolutely impossible to love other people on any higher level than what you've learned to love yourself biblically. You love your neighbor as yourself. And, um, and so it, it is so hard. It's so hard for some people to even give somebody else a compliment because they don't feel like they're even worth enough to compliment anybody else. I'm sure what I just said resonates with somebody out there I'm, I'm no good to be able to even compliment people. That's just a simple example of what I'm talking about. You offer to others the same quality of love that you've learned to develop for yourself. And, and that love for yourself is not becoming self-centered. It is developing a, a right understanding of the kind of value that God placed on you in Christ to the, to the point that, uh, if he thinks that much of me, I got some catching up to do with what I think of me and bringing it into the biblical context. And obviously scripture is our foundation, learning from scripture. And there's plenty in there about loving yourself in a proper way. That's, that's, a, and, and let me reframe the second part of the question. Um, I think I'll ask it this way. How, because I think a lot of times with all sorts of loss, we heard it in Paul's story, um, self-criticism. Um, you know, he, he talks about how God talked to him a lot, uh, talked to him through, you know, why is this my fault? Why did you make this my fault? And beating himself up, um, and, and beating him into the ground, those dark moments. And then with the career transitions, you you may have chosen a career transition, but I would assume, um, that there can even be some self-criticism from that. Um, you know, Hey, I hung up the hat too soon. 
I threw in the towel. I could have given more. Uh, you, I just gave up. Uh, people don't know that you can, you can have those thoughts. Where does the self love come into play for, and how do you deal with self criticism in loss? Well, I want people to put on their thinking caps for just a minute here with me, because what I'm talking about is extremely practical, but can sound theoretical at first. And that is this, it matters what you believe. Your theology is so related to your self-criticism. For instance, if I have to be perfect, if I really run that out to its ultimate conclusion, why? Why, why do I have to be perfect? For whom? Well, it's for God. Um, for God, um, why? So that I won't displease him. Why? So that I won't one of these days uh, miss heaven. Uh, because I displeased God. And some of the some of the simplest things, it may sound funny, but some of the simplest tasks of everyday life, we are motivated to do what we do because of a faulty view of God. And then we criticize ourselves for not meeting an expectation that God didn't even establish. And one of the things I'd like to emphasize here is that change is not just a change of your situation. Change can be a change of you. And, and Nate, this, this uh, last four years has been a change of me. Uh, I'm living the dream today, but I'm telling you, if I was going to sit down with somebody in my living room with a glass of iced tea and really be able to have the time to open up, there's been a lot of bumps to this flight, uh, but it's been worth it. Well, and, and that, that leads me to another question I have. Um, well, first of all, I'd, I'd like to recognize, too, that you, you chose a, a wonderful time to move into healthcare. Uh, <laughs> you really pick your moments uh, well. Hey, uh, you know what? I think I'd like to do. Here's a door that's opened. Um, oh, pandemic. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Let's do that as well. And I know you've been helping out in, in a lot of different ways, not just chaplaincy. You've been really helping in any way you can, practical ways, um, down to, you know, talking to people, folding sheets, um, stocking things, um, getting patients warm blankets. I mean, these are the things that are, are, are practical and getting missed right now as healthcare is overburdened. But, um, you know, besides doing all that and, and having the added pressure of, of a pandemic, um, and not seeing that coming, um, what advice would you have given to yourself? If you could go back to that time as you're about to transition into, and it maybe we'll move forward just a little bit, as you're about to have that loss of the 29-year career, mm-hmm. um, what advice would you have given yourself that you may not have seen coming, um, whether it's, I don't think there's going to be a loss at all, or I should be celebrating, or what advice would you have given yourself? You know, I've thought about that <laughs> a little bit, and... Um, I, I think one of the things that would have benefited me, but it was so so unlike me at that point, and that was to to more more consciously um, go after bringing some voices into my life to start start challenging me about the next step, to start help drawing me out, frankly, kind of to chaplain me before I even made that move. Um, and, and let me illustrate that this way. Uh, one of the things that was drilled into me in chaplaincy, and I believe it so much, is that 
when I enter that room and talk with that patient, I'm there to listen and, and help them find their own answers. And I'm not there to fix anything. Um, and it has served me and, and, and serving my patients very well to not be there to give them my answers. I could have used somebody during that time, but I can't blame anybody else but myself. And I don't even blame myself. Just looking back on it in reflection, I'm like, I could have used somebody to help draw me out, to ask some open-ended questions of me about, about what I was feeling to the point where they could have kind of done what I do with people. I, I look at what I do with patients as entering into the laundry room of their life. Things aren't sorted. It's one big mound of dirty laundry. And it's not so much that I do the sorting, but I'm there with them and I'm chatting with them while they're doing the sorting. And maybe every now and then I'll say, you know, you just put a dark in with the lights. But, but uh, I, I'm there while they're doing their own sorting. And they make meaning of it. Oh, I got four piles now. Yeah, and I can make a plan there to, to I can have those done by tonight, get them folded, get them, it, okay? So the same sort of thing happens. I, I could have used that. So the takeaway I think would be for someone else to take the initiative. Don't be afraid to start actually talking change. Uh, it doesn't have to be, it, it doesn't have to be exact science. Well, and I, as I listen to that, I, I think there's nothing more intimate um, at, at, than our unmentionables and our laundry. Um, and you take that over and make it a metaphor for, for what we do. You don't go any further into somebody's laundry than you're invited. Mm-hmm. It may be helpful. You, you know you could get it all folded for them. But um, the same it sounds like happened with you where looking back now, you understand that you needed someone to help you walk through that. But they're not going to go any further into your life than what you let them because you know, most people have boundaries and most people respect boundaries. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like it's very important to reach out. It sounds like it's very important to ask for help. It sounds like it's very important to not only feel feelings, but recognize them for what they are and say, oh, well, th- this is happening whether I want to feel this way or not. What do I do with it? Mm-hmm. Take those and, and start the conversation with somebody that you respect and they don't have to be a licensed counselor. They, they need to be, they can just be a, somebody that's chock full of wisdom and good, good life seasoning. Well, we're, we're almost to the point where we're out of time here. Um, but one of the things I like to do, and we, we've, we've hit a ton today. So honestly, I think we're gonna have to have you back um, on the podcast to talk about some of these things, maybe grab a concept and dig deeper, or maybe we can have you back to talk about some of the stories from your, uh, uh, from, from your counseling in the hospital, you know, all HIPAA, um, protected of course. Um, but I think that'd be interesting. I always like good stories from the hospital. Um, but is there something, if we're, we're going to leave this podcast episode with the listener, um, what's something that you want them to just grab a hold of remember or what is something that you want them to do after they've listened to this episode besides subscribe and go to our instagram pages my great story is amber and great story podcast um, and also follow us at great story ministries on facebook besides those things um, what's something that you want them to do next and what's your big takeaway well from my experience i want to just emphasize something that i've already said and that's be ready for change 
to change you and not just your situation or just your job and be ready to discover through change the, the, the remarkable things that can happen. Yes, there will be loss and it will be letting go of the past to take hold of the next. And that's, that's unsettling. That's scary. But be ready for how wonderful the next chapter can be. And then for some next steps, I would, I would just say this. It's okay to get off the grid for a while. Sometimes in transition, I know in my transition, I kind of, uh, I kind of hit a point halfway through chaplaincy school where it looked scary to finish it. And uh, maybe you'd have to be one of the guys that knew something or, or the people that knew something about that program to understand this. But if you keep on going on it, it gets harder and harder. And I, I kind of got off the grid, frankly, through some fear. It's okay to get a while, get off the grid for a while and to get restored and to regroup. But don't stay isolated because that leads to some things that if we did do another podcast might be worth drilling down and, and talking about. So how do you establish those connections as you're, as you, to not stay isolated? You know, sometimes it's not as easy as, as just saying, well, I've got uh, a gob of friends, so I can just reach out to one of them. Some of you may need to enroll in a class, make sure that you're attending church, uh, volunteer, volunteering at some organization, doing breakfast with a friend. Create some way to be able to get uh, in in touch with and in contact with and connection with somebody else that might be able to speak into your life. And then take the initiative. Don't wait, again, don't wait for that airplane to write your next step in the sky. And don't be so afraid of doing the wrong thing that you don't do anything. You usually always have enough light, enough wisdom for the next right step. And it is amazing if you'll take the next right step where that can lead you. And then listen to the voices that God has put into your life. They may not always be spot on, but give them your ear. And then finally, let change re-examine your priorities. For me, that's been, for instance, to confirm that my first calling was not what I did all of those years in the Bible college. As high a calling as God's service is, my first calling is to provide for and take care of my wife, especially emotionally. And even in this new calling, it's been clarified to me, as much as I love what I'm doing and living the dream, my number one priority is to take care of my wife and family. I, th I think that's a, a great way to end this one. Um, and, and again, I think we'll have you back. If you'll, you'll agree to come back on, um, I don't know, we can clear some of your your schedule there is that something you might do oh i'd be happy to uh, and to the listeners you know uh, if you have something you want to hear specifically from from don davison um, you can email us nate at gracestoryministries.com um, and next episode we'll make sure to slip that in um, whatever it is you want to hear uh, and then we kind of talked about boundaries a little bit in this episode if you go over to facebook um, on that uh, 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 social media platform, there is a community group, Great Story Community. You can just search that in the search bar and join the community. There's a couple uh, perfunctory questions there. But Ryan Waters this month is going to come on for a two-part uh, series on boundaries. Uh, this is free counseling, folks. Uh, you just go on there and you can listen in at your leisure. And he's going to walk us through healthy boundaries uh, kind of at the 101 level. And you'll be getting a little bit of what uh, he spoke about at conference as well, but um, more if you listen to that session. Um, 
Well, that is all we have time for today, but we're going to be back in two weeks. Speaking of Ryan Waters, he's going to be our guest on, and he's going to be helping us walk through some of this grief and loss uh, from all sorts of avenues, careers, and family members, whatever it may be from a counselor's perspective. Um, until then, we'll be praying for you, and we hope you'll continue on your journey of restoration. <laughs>